Old Testament passage today picks up in Numbers chapter 24. Now, we've been working on Balaam for a few days now, but I want you to remember that Balaam is the guy, he was what is still talked about even by Paul as the prophet for profit. In other words, he did things for money even though God wouldn't let him. And when he couldn't prophesy against people, he taught the enemies of Israel how to destroy them. He taught them that, you know, if you get them to sin, if you, if you get them to intermingle and worship false gods and take, take foreign women for their wives, if, if you get them to intermarry with those unequally yoked with them, and you get them to worship false god, then they'll be destroyed because God won't tolerate it. So he couldn't do it by spiritual methods, so he did it by devious methods. So here is this prophet who was more interested in money than in the will of God. When Balaam saw that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel, now notice, he, he couldn't destroy Israel himself. He, he could not destroy Israel himself. So he wanted to destroy Israel by devious means. And you'll see this as the story goes on. When Balaam saw that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel, he did not go as at other times to look for omens, but set his face toward the wilderness. And Balaam lifted up his eyes and saw Israel camping tribe by tribe. And the Spirit of God came upon him. Now, here's a guy that was determined to destroy Israel, even by devious means, but the Spirit of God came on him. And he took up his discourse and said, The oracle of Balaam, the son of Beor, the oracle of a man whose eye is open, the oracle of him who hears the words of God, who sees the vision of the Almighty, falling down with his eyes uncovered. How lovely are your tents, O Jacob, your encampments, O Israel, like palm groves that stretch afar, like gardens beside a river like aloes that the Lord has planted, like cedar trees beside the waters. Water shall flow from his buckets, and his seed shall be in many waters. His king shall be higher than Agag, and his kingdom shall be exalted. God brings him out of Egypt, and is for him like the horns of a wild ox. He shall eat up the nations and his adversaries, and shall break their bones in pieces, and pierce them through with his arrows. He crouched, he lay down like a lion, like a lion is who will rouse him up. Blessed are those who bless you, and cursed are those who curse you. Now he learned, you can't bless what God has cursed. And Balak's anger, this is the guy that hired Balaam to prophesy against Israel. And Balaam's anger was kindled against Balaam, and he struck his hands together. And Balak said to Balaam, I called you to curse my enemies, and behold, you have blessed them these three times. Therefore, now flee to your own place. I said, I will certainly honor you, but the Lord has held you back from honor. And Balaam said to Balak, Did I not tell your messengers whom you sent to me? If Balak should give me his house full of silver and gold, I would not be able to go beyond the word of the Lord, to do either good or bad of my own will, whatever the Lord speaks." That I will speak. So he had that part right. And now behold, I am going to my people. Come, I will let you know what this people will do to your people in the latter days. And he took up this discourse and said, The oracle of Balaam, son of Beor, the oracle of the man whose eye is open, the oracle of him who hears the words of God, who knows the knowledge of the Most High, who sees the visions of the Almighty, falling down with his eyes uncovered. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. 
and it shall crush the forehead of Moab and break down all the sons of Sheath. Edom shall be disposed. Now notice, this is Moab. This is Edom. All right. Remember who Moab was? One of the son, the grandsons of Lot. And remember who Edom is? One of the sons of Jacob. Or sons of, so, yeah, sons of Isaac. Edom, senior moment. Edom shall be disposed. Seir also his enemy shall be dispossessed. Israel is doing valiantly. And one from Jacob shall exercise dominion and destroy the survivors of the cities. Then he looked on Amalek and took up this course and said, Amalek was the first among the nations, but its end is utter destruction. And he looked on the Kenite and he took up this course saying, Enduring is your dwelling place and your nest is set in the rock. Nevertheless, Cain shall be burned and Asher takes you away captive. And he took up his discourse and said, Alas, who shall live when God does this? But ships shall come far from Kittim, and shall afflict Asher at Eber, and he too shall come to utter destruction. Then Balaam arose and went back to his place, and Balak also went on his way. Chapter 25, verse 1. Now, later scriptures, and you should look up the passage. So I put that up there where it's, it, the scriptures are clear that Balaam taught Balak how to destroy Israel by intermarriage and by worship of foreign gods. Chapter 25, verse 1. When Israel lived in Shechem, the people began to whore with the daughters of Moab. This was the direct result of Balaam teaching Balak how to do this. These invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods, and the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So, you know, maybe respect should not be shown. Now, I'll be really straight with you. If I'm with a family and they begin to worship some foreign god, whether it's a Hindu god or a Chinese god or a Japanese god or, you know, an American Indian god, if they begin to do their worship, I am not, I am not going to bow down. I'm just funny about this. I don't consider it a thing of showing respect to these people. I show respect to God. So Israel yoked himself to Baal of Peor. Now this Baal of Peor is a demon god. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And the Lord said to Moses, Take all the chiefs of the people and hang them in the sun before the Lord, that the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. And Moses said to the judges of Israel, Each of you kill those of his men who have yoked themselves to Baal of Peor. And behold, one of the people of Israel came and brought a midnight woman to his family in the sight of Moses and in the sight of the whole congregation of the people of Israel while they were weeping at the entrance of the tent of meeting. Thelagun, crass and bold in their sin. When Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, saw it, he arose, left the congregation and took a spear in his hand. And he went after the man of Israel into the chamber and pierced both of them the man and the woman through her belly. Thus the plague on the people of Israel was stopped. Nevertheless, those who died by the plague were 24,000. And the Lord said to Moses, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, son of Aaron the priest, has turned back my wrath from the people of Israel in that he was jealous of my jealousy among them so that I did not consume the people of Israel in my jealousy. See, folks, God loves you. 
And he's not going to share the devotion of his people with a demon god. Now, you know, you and I look at this and we think this is so extreme. But God says, no, I'm not going to share. I'm not going to share Israel with demons. He said, therefore, say, behold, I give to him my covenant of peace. And it shall be to him and to his descendants after him the covenant of a perpetual priesthood because he was jealous for his God and made atonement for the people of Israel. Wow. A man of God stepped up and did what was unpopular, and God made a covenant of peace with him. The name of the slain man of Israel who was killed with a Midianite woman was Zimri, son of Salu, chief of a father's house belonging to the Simeonites. Now notice that. The son of Salu, the chief, so he was powerful and thought himself above the law of God. Now, oftentimes, you'll find people in the church that have grown up sons of leaders, and they think that because they're the son of a leader, the rules don't apply to them. It doesn't work like that. And the name of the Midianite woman who was killed was Cosby, the daughter of Zur, who was the tribal head of a father's house in Midian. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Harass the Midianites and strike them down, for they have harassed you with their wiles. In other words, Balaam taught them how to do this. Balaam taught them how to harass Israel. Send your pretty women out among them. You know, Balaam taught them how to do this, and now they harassed with their wiles, in which they beguiled you in the matter of Peor, in the matter of Cosby, the daughter of the chief of Midian, their sister, who was killed on the day of the plague on account of Peor. Now, brothers and sisters, sometimes you have to learn. The devil knows that he cannot curse what God has blessed. And the devil knows that. So the devil tries to do a separation of your walk with God. He tries to get the people of God into sin. Because when you get us into sin, then we're no longer in the place of blessing. We're in the place of judgment. And we need we, and God will have mercy, yes. But understand, they harassed with their wiles. Satan harassed Adam and Eve with his wiles. All through the scripture, the, speak people, the scripture speaks of people who cause others to sin. You just have to learn, I'm going to live right in Jesus' name. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship.
Our New Testament passage today picks up in Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 41. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. These were righteous people. Okay, This was something that God asked them to do, and they went up every year at the feast of Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were turning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it. Now, you know, you ask yourself the question, how could they not know it? Because there was a huge caravan that would have left Jerusalem and either gone through Samaria, probably not, probably went down the mountain, hung a left at Jericho, and then went up the valley, the Jordan Valley, and then up the mountain again to Nazareth. Or they could have gone the land route through the mountains in Samaria. They could have taken a couple of different ways. But it was a huge caravan of people, very easy to lose a 12-year-old boy. But supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. So how far can you walk in a day in a big caravan? Oh, probably 15 kilometers. So they went out a day's journey, and then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. So they probably went back faster than when they came out, okay? Because there's part of a large caravan now that can only move as fast as everybody's moving. So maybe they went out, oh, 15 clicks, and that would have taken a day. Probably returning to Jerusalem. Now, depending if they were going uphill, it would have taken longer. But, you know, someplace between three quarters of a day to a full day to get back. So they're separated for two days. After three days, they found him in the temple. All right, so if they went out a day, took a day to come back, then they spent another day looking. So two-day travel, one day looking. After three days, now notice the word after three days, they found him in the temple sitting among the teachers, listening to them, and asking them questions. Now, to understand this, you have to understand where this would have taken place. Notice they found him in the temple. Now, if this is the temple courts, and this is the temple proper, and then we have the courtyard of the women out here, then back here we have the altar, we have the holy place, and then we have the holy of holies. Right along this wall, where the Sanhedrin court would meet in a thing called the stone chamber, there was an entrance that came out and on these steps, and this is where the teachers would meet the young boys, and they would teach. So it's right here along these steps. Jesus was listening to the teachers and asking them questions. Now, I want you to notice Jesus asked questions. Questions are the best way to learn. You see, there are people that think they know everything, so they ask no questions. You, you can always tell someone who's arrogant because they never ask questions. They, they think that there's nothing people can teach them. But listen to a person who ask questions. A person who asks questions is a learner. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding 
and his answers. So, notice Jesus had understanding and Jesus also had answers. So, he was listening, he was asking them questions, and he was answering questions. So, they were asking him questions also. Any good teacher will ask questions to their students, and you ask that question to see their understanding, to see their level. So these good teachers are asking Jesus questions also, trying to understand the level that this young man was at. Now, this is a young man who probably studied in Alexandria of Egypt, because we know that Jesus went down there from the early days of probably two or three toddler age, and he was probably down there until he was 10 or so. So he spent quite a few years in Egypt, and he would have studied in the with the Hellenistic rabbis, the where they wrote the Greek translation of the Old Testament, the Septuagint. All of that took place in Alexandria of Egypt. So Jesus had been learning Scripture, and they were amazed at his understanding. And when his parents saw this, they were astonished, and his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. Yeah, anybody that's ever lost a child in a shopping mall, multiply that by infinity and go three days. Yeah, you are in great distress. And he said to them, why are you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Jesus said, you know who I am. Mama, you know who I am. You remember what the angel said? You know, Mama, we've been living together for, for all of these years. And, and Mama, you know who I am. You know my heart for the Father's house. Did you not know that I must be? I must be in my Father's house? See, Jesus didn't disappear to play. Jesus disappeared to be in the Father's house. Ah. And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. They didn't get it. He went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. Now, that's that's a big deal. Now, at this point, Jesus is 12, which means he is a man in Jewish law. Okay? He's a man in Jewish law. But he continued and was submissive to them. Now, young people, why is it that we find it so difficult to be submissive to our families, to our parents? Jesus was. And he's God, okay? He's fully man, but he's fully God. He went down with them, so he went down. So Jerusalem is high up, everything else below it. And he came to Nazareth and was submissive to him. And the mother treasured up all these things in her heart. Now, Jesus increased in wisdom, in stature, and in favor with God and with man. Now, verse 52 is one, two, three sermons, all right? But Jesus had to grow in wisdom. Jesus had to grow in stature. Jesus had to grow in favor with God and man. So, young people, let me encourage you, be a little patient in life, all right? Learn to be submissive to your parents and understand you've got some growing to do. You will grow in wisdom. You'll grow in stature. You'll grow in favor with God and man. And it's, it's, it's not a problem to take time to do this. 
All right. A little bit of wisdom as we close out today. Our passages are a little shorter. Proverbs. Now, ah, here's some cool stuff. So maybe we'll take a few minutes on this because we have time today. Proverbs chapter 14, beginning with verse 16, for a little wisdom today. One who is wise is cautious, and two turns away from evil. Now, here is how to recognize wisdom. A person who is wisdom is cautious. I did not say fearful. I said cautious. A person who is wise is cautious. They don't just jump into everything. And they turn away from evil. You know, you, you could walk up to a cautious, to a wise young person. Come on, we're going to go get drunk. And they'll turn away from evil. Why? Because they're wise. Ah, hey, we're going to the beach. And they're cautious. They know, yeah, and you're going to get drunk down there and somebody's going to get hurt on the way home. They're cautious. A mark of wisdom. A mark of wisdom is to be cautious. A mark of wisdom is to turn away from evil. Now, oftentimes in Christianity today, people mistake cautious for fear or lack of faith. And you know what? Cautious does not equal fear or lack of faith. Cautious is wisdom. He said, but a fool is reckless and careless. All right, how to recognize, how to recognize a fool. A fool is reckless and a fool is careless. You know, you're, you're careless in your work. You're careless in your decisions. You're careless in your relationships. That's a fool. A fool is careless. In other words, they don't take care of things. They don't, they don't think through relationships. They don't think through. They're just, they're just careless with everything. You know, you're out. Where, where's your phone? Oh, I don't remember. Well, where'd you leave it? I don't know. Why are you so careless with something that costs so much money? That's a fool. Fools are careless. Fools are reckless. I sat down with one of my relatives one day. They'd sent me some pictures where they were jumping off a cliff in, into the water below. And I said, don't you see the rocks down there? Yeah. Well, what happens if your foot slips and you don't jump out far enough? Well, probably die. And I, why would you be so foolish as to leap off of a wet surface, knowing that if you don't get enough distance, you're going to get killed on the rocks below? It's been, oh, you got to learn to take chances. It's exhilarating. No, a fool is reckless. Well, Pastor Summerall, didn't you do crazy things when you were young? Yeah, I was a fool, <laughs> okay? When, when, when we, we get saved, we stop being a fool. A man of quick temper acts foolishly. A man of evil devices is hated. Now, these are important. A man of quick temper acts foolishly. Now, God is God gets angry, but the Bible said God is slow to anger. A man of quick temper makes too many mistakes. I agree. There are times that you need to show your anger. 
and you use anger as a tool to control a situation, just like Jesus did in the in the cleansing of the temple. He he took control of a situation by a display of anger. But Jesus didn't have a quick temper. A man of evil devices, another translation says evil schemes, schemers are hated. A person who's always scheming, always thinking of ways to hurt people, always thinking of bad things to do. Those people are hated. The simple or the naive inherit folly. You want to know what brings foolishness to your life? Naivety. Simple here means naive. Simpletons are clothed with foolishness. Yeah, you you inherit. Foolishness comes to you. But the prudent are crowned with knowledge. I like that. Prudent people learn. Prudent people learn. The evil bow down before the good, and the wicked at the gates of the righteous. Now here's the future. This is the future. There will come a day when evil people bow down before the good. Sometimes you and I, we wonder, why is it that the the wicked triumph over the righteous? Why is it that wicked people seem to prosper? But in the end of things, the evil will bow down before the good. The wicked will bow at the gates of the righteous. The poor man is disliked even by his neighbor, but the rich has many friends. I like the NLT translation. The poor are despised even by their neighbors, while the rich have many friends. Now, you're going to find that, I'm sorry, this is just this is just understanding people, okay? Wisdom is simply an application of knowledge. You, you know people and you recognize that poor people are disliked because poor people are always asking for things. But rich people, everybody wants to hang out with rich people. The rich have many friends. It shouldn't be like that, brothers and sisters, but it is. This is a a reality of life. Now, we don't need to live like that. We should treat everybody the same. And everybody said, amen. But you have to understand that in the world that we live, you just have to recognize that poor people, people don't want to be their friends. They're disliked. I, I was driving down a road one day and I won't tell you where that was. And the government had built this big fence. And I thought, you know, I used to visit people. There was a squatter's area behind there. And I used to visit people up in there. So when I got off that road, I kind of doubled back and came up some of the side roads. And you know that squatter's area was still there? But they just put a big fence in front of it. Nobody wanted to pay attention to those poor people. But rich people, they have lots of friends. Brothers and sisters, let's learn to be like Jesus. Jesus said he was anointed to preach good news to the poor. It's amazing what God will do in people's lives. Amen. All right. We went a little shorter today, but we'll see you tonight. We're right back into the book of Romans again. So we'll see you tonight at 7 o'clock.